In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They built recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, developed their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Sandra. Very happy to have you on the Modern Recruiter podcast today. Hey. Hello. <laughs> so, Sandra, we're now recording in person. We're together in Amsterdam, where you gave an excellent talk yesterday at Sourcing Summits in Amsterdam. And we're going to basically use that talk that you gave yesterday as the basis for a conversation today. So just a bit more about yourself. You're starting in talent acquisition. You're no more in uh, the crossing of marketing and talent acquisition. So that's going to be interesting for the talk. And you're going to tell us a bit more about this. Uh, you work for Scandit, which is a Swiss-based scale-up of about 500 people. And you also do more like talent engagement, like at Sourcing Summit, workshops. And you also released a book, uh, which is uh, pretty cool, which I read that, that you were kind enough to share with me. It's called Thailand's Titans. And I would recommend everybody to check that book. Talent Titans is available on Amazon. So the subject of your talk yesterday was pretty much about what do I do when I feel that my outreach messages and my outreach to candidates is not resonating? Maybe I don't get replies. Maybe I do get replies, but they're very cold. Maybe people forget about me. Maybe I don't follow up with people. Like this engagement, I feel it's not working. And sometimes it leads us to say, yeah, like Germans don't reply to outreach messages anymore or engineers don't reply to outreach messages anymore or female engineers or Java engineers or like that specific type of persona does not reply to messages anymore. And you're saying, no, maybe, maybe people still reply. Maybe you have to make this more engaging and you're all about the power of emotion and making it also about the person, like not so much personalization per se, but like thinking in the shoes and putting yourself in the shoes of the recipient. And so you build all that framework about the storytelling part as well. So there is a lot of ground to cover uh, <laughs> today. Uh, did I miss anything in the, in the first introduction first, or do you want to add anything on, I don't know, yourself, the book, the talk? I think that's pretty much sums it all up. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then about the um, answer to that question, how do we make outreach and communication with candidates more engaging? So very much about the engagement. Uh, can we just spend a bit more time about the problem itself? Why do you feel like it's a very, feel like that problem will resonate with a lot of people? How do we make outreach more engaging? But why do you think that's important? Well, first of all, I mean, I think recruiting is a little bit of a mix of marketing and sales also, mm -hmm. you know. So when you look at marketing, first of all, which is translated talent attraction, one could say, you first have to cut through the noise. Because if you look at it, people get so many messages and they get bombarded with facts and the what and the how. This is referring to The Golden Circle by Simon Sinek, also a great author. But people are maybe opening your message. They might even be reading it, but it doesn't stick. And I think that's what's important, what leads then to a good response and in the end also to a good interest rate. 
that you trigger the relevance of it, the emotion. You know, it's what Simon Sinek talks about in the why, you know. So people want to feel the relevance of what does this person want from me? Why is this relevant to me? Why should I even reply? I do have a good job. I don't need another one. Mm -hmm. My job is maybe not challenging anymore, but I, I'm not even sure if that's another great challenge for me, you know? So you mentioned Simon Sinek twice. It's from, I think the book is called Start With Why. And the proximity with recruiting is like a lot of companies start with the how in recruiting. Like we're looking for someone to do this and we're looking for these qualifications and this is how it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, they never, like, no, not never, obviously, <laughs> but a lot of people don't really stop and think, why is that important for the recipient? Is that what you're trying to say here? Exactly, when Exactly, yes. It's a lot of, I see so many me, me, me in those recruiter mm -hmm. messages and that's just really wrong because they should focus on the candidate, you know? The recruiter message usually looks like, I need this, I need to fill the role. I want you to be able to do this. I want you to be that. And it's like a checklist. And when I read through this, I'm like, okay, I, maybe I can do this, mm -hmm. or I could do that. But I don't feel at the center of the attention. And there's a storytelling concept of Donald Miller who said that there's the guide and the hero in every story. And what companies do wrong is that they put themselves at the center of attention mm -hmm. of what they write. So they place themselves as the hero, whereas they should put the candidate as the hero and themselves as the guide and who guides them through the challenge and gets them to self-development. You know, I think that's the important part. That's super important. So yeah, that's right. That today, a lot of companies present themselves as the hero of the story in the career pages, in the outreach messages, and like, we're a fast sell company or we're a family business. We've been operating, yeah. but we, 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 and you're going to be a part of this. Yes. You're going to be a cog in that big machine. You are the means. Yeah, right? exactly. Of a bigger machine, but... It's not interesting at all. No, you're not yeah. at the center of this. Nobody wants to be like, okay, I'm going to be the sidekick to that to that person's yeah. adventure. Where do you want to be as a candidate and how can we help you get there as a company? Super you know? interesting, yeah. And that's also back to something that we measured at Higher Suites a few years ago when we ran an experiment. We saw that people who like outreach messages that had more use than we's or eyes. Yeah. The ratio was twice as many and more reply rates. So if you talk more about, about the person, one way to measure this is to see that you have more use. Like if you tell the story and the recipient is the hero, obviously you'll talk a lot about them. But if you are the hero, then you'll talk about a lot about yourself. So one way to measure this is like how many occurrences of you's and we's. And if I say 10 times you and five times we or I, then the story is about you. If that's the opposite, then the story is about myself. Yes. So I like this. It's not so much about being smart or interesting or etc., but making the person feel smart or interesting. And that's uh, another thing as well. And, and I think that goes along with who is your target audience mm -hmm. and really put yourself into the shoes of them. You know, what's what would be interesting for this person, truly, you know, what would make them reply, you know, 
what's in it for them, but never write for a target market, mm -hmm. write for an individual. Mm -hmm. That's super, super important. Mm -hmm. you know? And people always write for a very blurry gray mass, you yeah. know, which they don't really think about. So my second marketing advice here would be maybe put together a candidate persona just to have a clear picture of how those people would look really like, you know, what is their struggles, what's their likes, what's their dislikes, you know. And I know this could be a bit controversial with diversity because you don't want to paint an ideal candidate, but maybe it helps you give the whole person on the other end of your message a face so you don't write for this gray mask but for just somebody somebody you really like and you want you know to help them and generally be there for them and we're not talking about like extreme personalization it's not about writing one message for one person right it's more no. <laughs> oh god no segmentation like i have this icp of maybe like there'll be 30, 50 people. I use the same message for these 30, 50 people. And then I'll use a different message for the next 50 people because they have different characteristics. Personalization is such a big topic, yeah. which you could look at in various ways, you know. And the standard personalization usually now is hey, I've seen what you're doing at company. Right, working at company one and company... Oh God, yeah, it's all the same. And it doesn't need a lot of effort to change this. Yes. You know, because we all have very little time and, you know... And everybody does this. Like oh God, yeah, and everybody does this, right? And it's like the intro, you know, hey, I hope this message finds you well. It's just, oh God, skip mm -hmm. this. Because the number one rule is, read their message to yourself and if it bores you it will bore your audience too and we're in the netflix age we want to be entertained yeah so grab your audience and trigger emotion make them feel something make them feel important and a good way to weave in some personalization is to say i've seen what let's say Max has said in your reference section about you being a great recruiter, mm. you know, or a great salesperson, whatever. And that's one line of personalization that really truly shows them you've read them mm. their profile. And you think, wow, okay, well, that takes me maybe five minutes of personalization. But hey, you could even automate that. Mm. You know, there are spreadsheet tools out there like get cargo or clay that integrate chat GPT with the spreadsheet. So you could ask this tool to scrape your short list of people in LinkedIn, transfer all their data into the spreadsheet, and then ask them also to summarize maybe their profile summary, you know, this intro, what every candidate usually give, like, hey, I'm John, I'm working in sales, you know, mm. and then you could even put in another column in the sheet and use the chat GPT function of this spreadsheet and say, can you summarize this intro with five words? And the next column would be, could you transfer this five word summary 
into an outreach message mm -hmm. and then you would upload the csv which is usually is into your email campaigning tool and then you could automate all of this i know this is very heavily technical but this is how you could automate it and be highly highly personalized but then again you could do all this you could do this highly technical personalization but still write a message that's about you and the person will be yes. okay i feel that you personalized and sometimes like there would be limits obviously with ai and stuff so you can feel obvious that it was ai so that that kind of backfires as well but like I feel you personalized, but I still feel that I would be a sidekick to your story. And I still feel that the message, sure. even if you personalize, the message is still, and the opposite could be, you could do zero personalization, but still feel that you're the hero. Like a, a good example that I like to use is, so obviously we're selling to uh, heads of talents, heads of recruiting, recruiting teams. When we reach out to people to sell them higher suites, we get a very low reply rate, like we get five to 7% and we're all about us. Then we, we, we try to improve this obviously, but then that would be like the basic sequence, basic sequence, all about us. Uh, hi, we're higher suite. We're doing this. Are you interested in being a sidekick to our story to becoming a unicorn? <laughs> like nobody, like people do reply, but they're like, okay, why not? When we make it about them again, sales outreach and we're like, okay, that's your company. That's what you're doing. You want to grow from this to that. These are the problems that you might have. And we can help you solve those problems. We get a better reply rate. But then when I invite people on the podcast, and then again, that's because there's something in it for them. And I do a pretty generic outreach. Sometimes I personalize, but sometimes I even try not to personalize at all because I like the message is pretty cool. And the offer is so obvious, like you get invited to the podcast, you get, you can share your expertise, you reach a lot of people. We get a like more than 50% reply rates. So times 10, the number of replies, because we move from being like, you're part of our story, help us scale and get more revenue to I'm actually gonna empower you to become a thought leader and share yeah. your expertise. And so. And there's nothing about personalization again. It's just like mm -hmm. changing the framing. And that's something that I like a, a lot as well. In your presentation, you also talk about, so there's this part about making it about the person, mm -hmm. the start with why from Simon Sinek and not with the how. So be more inspirational. There's another part as well that you mentioned about your experience with people that, so you're a uh, German and you get all the time that people will say, like German people don't reply to outreach messages and you're like, no, people do reply. Uh, you just have to talk in their terms. Can you tell us a bit more about this, not specifically for the German market, but also like, how do we make sure that we're speaking the same language or uh, as our recipients? Like, how do we investigate this? How do we get that feedback from them? And avoid just saying like general things like Germans don't reply to Irish messages. <laughs> no, because it's not true. The Germans, we do reply. Of course. Like, <laughs> like they, they reply if they're interested and if they, yes. yeah. But. Yes. I think the important part here is, and it really applies to also not just the Germans, but also every other group where you have to put yourself into the shoes of them, that you don't apply the cookie cutter method, mm. you know, that you apply your standard message to everyone and just hope it kind of resonates with them, right? 
And maybe Germans are super particular about some things that they don't reply, but make yourself aware, what is this? You know, make yourself familiar with certain things, what does work and what doesn't work. And if you just simply go on the internet and research and type into Google, mm -hmm. what are the things that I have to bear in mind? You know, what are cultural differences? Maybe there are great articles out there and Based on this, you should put up a do and don't cheat sheet and make assumptions first. What does work? What doesn't work? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Regarding length, use of emojis, formality, benefits that's pretty much relevant to the candidates in the market. And if you have this list, go back to your hiring manager, go back to your German marketing colleague or your German recruiter, whoever who sits really in there. Or if you're hiring for a German salesperson, go to your German sales or customer success manager. Ask them, would you reply to this message I've just written? What would you add to the do and don't cheat sheet? Is this really true? And why is that? Just really make it understand better where the people are coming from, right? Because the general advice is don't make your message too lengthy, right? I mean, everyone agrees and you see all over the internet, the general advice there is don't make your message longer than 400 signs. Agreed. Okay. That might apply. But for the Germans, we're really thorough. We're super detailed. We want to know who are we talking to? We are really skeptical, you know, we are always afraid of being maybe also scammed. So we want to know, are we making the right decision here? Maybe also we have a trust issue. I'm not sure, you know, but trust is so important. Whenever you install trust in your message, the conversation will fall naturally. So make yourself familiar what works and what doesn't work. For example, it would even be working that you include a link to the business financial report. People are actually reading this. I had this so many times in Germany that people talk to me as a recruiter and ask me about the latest numbers, you know, and be very specific about those things. Also the benefits, you know, in some countries it's, Childcare, for example, is not a big thing, you know, it's provided for or it's private stuff. But in Germany, if an employer is providing you help with that, just mention it. Or there are topics like retirement support that everyone in Germany asks about. If you mention it in there, it's going to stick or the use of emojis. So as I said, Germans are very scared to be scammed. If there is an emoji in the subject line, for example, mm -hmm. they're not going to open it mm -hmm. because they are afraid to lose all their credit card <laughs> you know, information and lose control. And it's actually a little bit like an evaluation people really do in the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. This is called the glance test. Is this relevant for me? Do I want to read on? Do I want to spend time? You know, because people are always more afraid of loss than of gaining something. So if you take this fear away, 
and say you're not losing anything by reading on, then you will gain. You know, this is another technique you should use. And this is why you should always make sure to know how also the brain functions, how your limbic system functions, that you put this into action into your outreach design. Okay, so th there is a lot to unpack from what you said. I took notes when you were... <laughs> First is you want to bet on trust, create trust. And it's easier to destroy trust than to build trust. And so my learning here is like being something that is not bad is already better than like doing something that is good. Like not bad is already good. So if you, for specific people, but then you want to talk to these people like emojis, anything that can be fishy, weird, like marketing, vocabulary, uh, hey, super high growth opportunity, like these type of things will trigger the fear of loss and you might just lose the person because of this. So that I like. Other thing that you mentioned as well is having supporting material. Obviously, the more transparency that you can show, if you can show the financials, that's great. If you can show the benefits, but the underlying thing is like you should have all these documents ready so you're not spending too much time and you get them and you can send them across uh, different jobs. Consistency is a thing also. Exactly, yeah. You know, you should follow up, follow mm -hmm. up. Make aware that you are there, you're staying there, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you won't drop them yeah. like a hot potato. You're trustworthy, you're competent, you know. Every, every moment you should try and build trust, like nothing's happening, then you just say that nothing's happening because otherwise the receiving end can be, okay, that's, that's fishy. I don't hear back from them. Let's, let me just find another job. And you're just yeah. waiting maybe for the hiring manager. There's even, I think there's even a study which says the more often you repeat things, the more true they become. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is how you should build up your whole campaign. Exactly. Yeah. Not as a single LinkedIn message but your message being part of a bigger drip campaign or a bigger campaign overall, where the candidate has multiple touch points to mm -hmm. get to know you and get a bigger picture. Because if you only see one message, it's just one little snap where you get an image of a person, of a writing style, of a company, and that's very little information. And usually people also only put text into uh, the message. Also, not everyone responds the same way to texts that's maybe called neurodiversity. But if you also include maybe images, GIFs, memes, whatever, you know, or thumbnails to videos, you will transmit much more information quickly than any text can do. Yeah. And the general learning from this is almost have this scientific approach of running experiments, measuring the results and saying, okay, what are the results from A-B testing, right? Then again, the marketing part, like let's try that message. I'm going to use a lot of emojis. Second message, no emojis at all. This works. This doesn't work so well. So let's just keep emojis maybe like for some population. Same for the length. There is a few like, the I would say like the length, the tone, is it super friendly? Is it very professional? The content of the message, like some arguments will resonate more 
So have that scientific approach. And what I like is it moves the questions from people from Germany don't reply to how do I get people to reply? And you want to run both these experiments where you measure the results and also talk to people directly, like have this kind of qualitative and quantitative approach at the same time. Uh, talk to people, like, what do you reply to? But then you don't want to be relying only on what people tell you, because sometimes people will be like, yeah, I replied to that message because of that reason. But they will never let, tell you, I don't reply to messages because there's emojis. Maybe they don't even realize this because it's just market as spam. So you want to ask people, but at the same time, you want to measure and have that very uh, scientific approach to it. And then again, what I liked in your presentation is there's a lot of numbers as well. So there is one number, which is 71% of replies come from following up with people. So that you can only know if you measure the replies across the different stages. And last but not least, there's this part about trust and trust takes. So it's easier to destroy trust and build trust. And then the other part as well, it's it takes time to build trust. And sometimes it's just like, it's just actual times actual time that can be compressed if we meet the first time in 2020 and then we meet again in 2021 and then we meet again in 2022 by 2023 we feel like we've known each other for ages and we're friends even that each time it was like 30 minutes if we compress those 30 minutes in like two hours in 2023 you will still feel like we're pretty new acquaintances uh, so there's like spreading this over time and back to recruiting is like having those relationships over time. So not only following up, but also like obviously a person that talks to someone in over time in a company will feel closely related to that company, but also to a person, right? So, I mean, you shouldn't look at your messages in a too transactional way. Mm -hmm. People usually have this feeling, oh my God, I need to fill this role. This is why I need to send a message. This is super transactional, but look at the bigger picture, right? You want to build up an audience, you know, you want a talent pool and um, talent pooling also always sounds so technical, mm -hmm. you know, but all you want to generate is maybe fans, you know, an audience, engage them and truly build up a connection. And I think the connection part is a lot missing in the connection between recruiter and candidates, the human side of it. But if you look at your outreach message in terms of a bigger campaign part, you know, not only one message, but also different channels, you know, different ways of reaching out, make maybe a connection request part of the whole process. People forget about this because they look at it very binary. Do I want this job? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. No. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I, I, I let I let the, the candidate go. Goodbye. But if they say no, there is another chance for another yes in the future. You know, which means if you connect with them, they will in the future have the, you um, in their feet. You know, so if you post something, maybe another job or just inspiring things that you come across as a recruiter. And this is why you yourself are a message. You're a brand ambassador. This is how they will always be reminded of you, your company, and 
this is how talent pooling really works. It's not only about putting a bunch of people into a CRM and sending them lots of newsletters, but really have an engagement with people, you know, because otherwise it's just going to be another spam message, another newsletter. You're just be another recruiter. But if you load up a meaning to a thing, then you win. And this is why emotion in all our conversation is super important, you know, and also storytelling that to engage people. I think we look at outreach messages still too practical, too, too transactional. But if we look at it, do we make the world a little bit better today? You know, we have an impact on people's lives. I know this sounds maybe a little bit exaggerated and too big, but when people reply to me, you made me laugh today. You made me smile. I shared with my team because we had such a good laugh at how you wrote this. And I loved how you made us quiz things, you know. Um, this is super different. You made my day. That is so rewarding on the one hand, but this will also stick. Mm -hmm. And people will come back in a couple of years even, be like, hey, you were the funny recruiter or you're so creative, you're so different. This is how things stick. And this is why I think we should put our own personality more into the outreach. Because what we don't see is you in there, usually. Yeah, and also that it's never really a no. It's always a no for now. Like even sometimes people will say, okay, no, I'm not interested in the industry. I don't want to work in finance. But then people don't know, like people will reply this, sometimes don't know anything about finance, about your company. So building that relationships help them understand better. And also even people who don't reply, maybe they saw your message, maybe they saved it, and maybe they forgot to reply. So that's why you want to follow up. But maybe they're like, this is not just the right time. But when they'll be looking for a job, they go back to their folder where they saved all the emails and they're like, okay, let me reply back to Sandra now because I'm, I'm ready. The thing is, sometimes I get great messages. And what happens next is... I follow that person. Yeah. I have them in mind. I feel like, wow, this person is inspiring. This is creative. This is where I want to be too. And that's kind of surrounding of people. I want to be surrounded by competent, creative, inspiring people. I want to talk to those people. I want to work with them. If I know such a person works at this company, I want to be there too. If this person changes jobs, I'm like also having a look at this. I experienced that. I actually follow one girl who was working back then at N26. And I was like, this is a great outreach, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know whenever she changed, I'm like, oh, it seems to be a good spot where she's going, you know? And then if you want to hire someone you'll in your recruiting team, you'll probably reach out to her as well. So as a recruiter, you want to make sure that, uh, yeah. Maybe to end and close that discussion, I want to quote you. Uh, when we prepare this, you had a pretty poetic sentence. And then I'll, I'll let you do the parting words if you have anything to ask. But 
Uh, you said when you reach out to someone, we're entering the world of someone uninvited and we can leave a trace there. And it's a huge responsibility to leave that trace. So we can either, again, choose to make the world a little better place or a little worse place. So I, I like that idea of like getting into a person's home and then what do you do once you're there? Even if the person doesn't reply, you want to leave a positive trace. So... Well, we have an impact and mm -hmm. we have a responsibility and with new work and the new work approach where the human is not the means of the work anymore. We don't leave our personality at home anymore, hopefully, or, you know, this mm -hmm. is how it should be. And if we encourage that also in our outrage in ourselves, but also in our candidates, I think we're changing the world step by step. If we put ourselves out there as recruiters, make ourselves vulnerable, show our personality, share something personal, I rarely see personal stuff shining through. And it's such a shame because on the one hand, it could be good cliffhanger for a good conversation. On the other hand, why should a candidate open up to me if I don't open up to them? I think this is super crucial. And if you go first and be like, hey, just reach out, I'm not good at this, or I'm just sharing, you know, I love this mm. and this sport, whatever, something, just, just, you know, give away something from you. Don't be like a robot, because if you act like a robot, you will get replaced by one. But if you are different, if you are human, if you show emotions, then, then you can also trigger emotions. And then you can be different and then can be better than any robot. Perfect. Very good parting words. Thanks a lot, Sandra. We'll, we'll keep following you on LinkedIn. We'll check the book Talent Titans again, and then we'll just like follow you to whatever events you are attending is big too. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you. <laughs> hey there, this is Robert. Most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy the players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week.